Last time on Improv Tabletop, our literary heroes found themselves in the Hundred Acre Wood with their good old friend Winnie the Pooh sharing a pot of honey, but things were very strange. The Hundred Acre Wood was full of fog and befanged critters and strange music in the night. They followed the music to the sandy pit where Tigger had formerly found himself during a previously foggy day. And there at the pit was the Phantom of the Opera digging into the side of the embankment. Moby Dick decided that he would go up and try and talk to this phantom. And they, well, they, they didn't talk. They had a conversation, but they were singing. <laughs> and Moby Dick managed to trick the Phantom of the Opera into not realizing that he was a 52-foot-long sperm whale and managed to get some information on the other side of this door that they were uncovering was, to quote the Phantom, the King of Darkness, our ruler, the one who's been doing all these nasty things to the libraries. So Moby Dick went back to converse with his friends. The Phantom went in ahead of them and they all followed after by themselves, knees and fins knocking together. They confronted an imp who asked them to solve a riddle. And when they did, they brought the imp with them, this little gargoyle man. They confronted a trapped hallway of darts shooting back and forth. And Tigger, with some ingenuity, managed to disable the traps through brute force. And finally, you found yourselves at the entrance to a large, majestic dance hall full of literary villains of all sorts. The Phantom of the Opera, um, Captain Ahab, and Dr. Frankenstein we talked about earlier. Uh, a person, I definitely said the name Jack Willoughby. That's not a Jane Austen character. Jack Wickham <laughs> and John Willoughby are Jane Austen characters. So I guess maybe Jack Willoughby is just both of them together, and that makes it even Ooh, worse. That's that's way worse. Way, way, way worse. Most evil person in this room, hands down. Well, it's per Dr. <laughs> Frankenstein. Yeah. Until, at least, there was a ding, ding, ding of a glass full of blood, and Dracula himself entered into the room, telling all of the villains that all the literary worlds would soon be theirs. That is where we left off. What's going to happen? What is the plan? How are our heroes going to handle this room full of villains? Let's find out here in the world of the illiterates. What's shaking, everybody? You're listening to Improv Tabletop, the Fate RPG actual play where we make up everything on the spot. I'm Ned Wilcock, your host and GM, and today I'm joined by... Connor Wood, local expert on how to do things good and stuff, Incorporated. Caleb Anderton, coming at you from on the road here in Bismarck, North Dakota. And Thomas Brower, certified mathematician. You just every single one of your introductions, Thomas, paints you out to be more and more of a geek, which <laughs> I guess isn't inaccurate, but there's just so much more to you than that. I mean, I aim to be mysterious, but you, you nailed it on the head, Ned. <laughs> you guys, everybody send your appreciation and thanks to Caleb, who is currently recording in the wardrobe of a hotel room because he's driving across country. And he loves this show so much and loves you, our fans, so much that he is recording in a hotel room. I mean, yeah. That's right. The setup, if y'all, the audience could see, is a true testament to human ingenuity because it is, it's something else. <laughs> you know what? We'll put that up on social after this episode drops so you can see what it looks yeah, like. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. Just don't tell the laundry crew of this hotel that I uh, swiped five blankets from the laundry room. <laughs> it's for the art of recording. I'll return them. Don't worry. Nice. Well, let's go ahead and get back into this spooky, spooky time. 
So Dracula has just stepped forward with the glass ding, 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 announced that all of the literary worlds are going to be theirs. Everybody's clapping and cheering. And Dracula starts turning back and forth, bowing, and really just kind of chewing the scenery with how much grandeur he's commanding at the moment. And after the applause kind of dies down, he says, Why is it that the villains can never have the happily ever after? Why is that? Have you ever asked? Is it because we cure the innocent? Is it because we drink the blood of the innocent? Should that stop us from getting our happily ever after? And all of the villains start booing and jeering and giving big old thumbs downs and stuff. I lean over to Ari and I say, This might be a weird time to ask, but what the heck is blood? <laughs> you guys aren't full of stuff. I'll, I'll tell you when you're older, uh, Tigger. Okay. But it's, it's not a good thing to be doing. Oh, all right. <laughs> and Dracula continues and he says, For this reason have I gathered you all together. I have woven my dark magics across libraries throughout the material plane so that we may gather together and rewrite history. Even though we are fictional characters, we have history ourselves, and now is our chance to change it so that we can finally get our happy endings because, guys, I go home to my coffin and it's so lonely and it's so cold and it's full of dirt. I have to sleep in dirt just to survive. It's not fair. (laughs) I'm going to nudge Moby and say, I think I... I might be a bad guy. This guy sounds like he gets it. <laughs> like, I don't I don't, don't want to hurt anyone, but like, look at that angst. He understands. Maybe we don't have to fight these bozos. Maybe we could just give them a little bit of joy that doesn't involve murder. What do you, what do you say, big whale? D- during this, you see my, my 52 feet, half of it's on the ground, you know, trying to <laughs> listen into this conversation and just, um, well, here's one thing that I do know. Captain Ahab has tried to murder me countless times. Uh. But he is the only one in this room that has done anything harsh to me, and my, I can understand a little bit what it means to be a fish out of water, so to speak. And, uh, oh, Mob. I too feel my heart going out to them. I don't wish them to suffer tremendously or to be cast into the shadow necessarily, so... I'm torn and conflicted as you, Airy. Upon listening to both of these speeches, Tigger's lip is quivering and <laughs> some tears are dropping down his face and he's just, <laughs> you guys, we gotta help him. And he's wiping the tears with his tail, like just dragging it across. He <laughs> blows his nose into his tail. Yeah. Uh, but how do we do that without giving them fodder for more destruction? That's a really good point. That's where the tricks come in. That's the tricky part. Is what I'm saying. What is what is Dracula and the other fellas up to? Are they are they still just monologuing? Yeah, Dracula at this point he's been monologuing the entire time, just like very grandiose gestures and like clawing at his tunic and stuff, just pounding on his chest, making a big show of it. And at this point, as you kind of tune back into the conversation, he's like, But if we are to revolt in an effective manner, we need to get to know each other a little bit. So go find the villain you have not met yet and play two truths and a lie. (laughs) (laughs) 
cool. <laughs> um, all right, so maybe we should divide and conquer a little, get to know some of these monsters and see what like their ideal happy ending is. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't think we can all kill these guys, even with Moby's size and my Dinglehopper and Tigger's uh, affinity to traps. Yeah, I think that's right. Let's, let's figure out what they want, what makes them tick, then maybe we can find a happy ending for everybody in this bookity book. Yeah, or a weakness. I don't know. I'm still on the fence. I think that's a fantastic idea. I will head to the west side of the room. There seem to be at least three sides to this room, so perhaps each one of us can take a corner, so to speak. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I will go towards the stage because I haven't met Dracula yet. All right, so you go walking forward with your giant whale-sized mask held out in front of you. <laughs> and... <laughs> As you're approaching the big old platform that Dracula's on, he's stepping down, and as he moves, like, you can't see any sort of, like, upward and downward motion of his head or his shoulders as he steps. It's just this constant glide of motion. His legs are moving very, very fossy-like to get him just this smooth move. And he's heading over towards the snack table and is starting to pass by you. Yeah. Uh, hi, Mr. Dracula. Hi. It's me. Uh, I am Fish Ghost. How are you this evening? We haven't met. Fish Ghost, I have not yet met you as you have said, but that is a terrifying and powerful name. Thank you. Thunder, thunder, lightning, lightning. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Uh, so, hey, you, you, I love that stuff you were saying about the happy ending. For you personally... What would that look like? I know this isn't quite two truths and a lie, uh, but I, I want to get to the meteor questions to know my boss, you know? I have been cursed with undeath. Huh. I am not able to remove myself from this prison of my own mind and my own creation. I must survive upon the blood of the living. And it is, you know, blood, it's its not the best. It tastes like mm. if you've ever eaten iron supplements, it's kind of yeah, hard to get down. <laughs> That's a bummer. And, you know, every so often, I think it might be really nice to be able to just pass on to the afterlife and maybe chill on a cloud for a little bit. I watch my bats fly off into the night. They fly through the clouds, and I think that must be incredibly comfortable. See, Dracula, I knew you were just a down-to-earth guy. That's good to know. Um, I have this thing where I keep stealing people's things, and I cannot stop, and I think it's a sickness. But anyway, it was nice to meet you. I'm going to reconvene with my friends. I'll see you later. Yes, of course. We have orders plenty, as you can see. Do try the baklava and the spanakopta. I've been going crazy with Philo, though. <laughs> I think I will. Lightning, lightning, thunder, thunder as he goes walking off. <laughs> what a chill guy. Uh, Tigger, who have you been approaching? I'll uh, make my way past the Orth de Verth and maybe pick up some Bakrava. And um, over there, I might meet a certain Captain Ahab Ooh. that we have talked to before. Mm-hmm. And Captain Ahab is over there, and he's got a little cocktail shrimp glass. It's got the cocktail sauce in the center and shrimp all around the outside. And as he picks up each shrimp, he grabs a toothpick from the table, and he just kind of skewers the toothpick through the shrimp and laughs a couple times before <laughs> dipping it in the cocktail sauce and eating it. <clears throat> Hello there. Uh, Mr. Captain Ahab, I haven't made your acquaintance. My name is Damask Defender. What's yours? Arabia Captain Ahab. 
Ain't seen the likes of you around here before. That's right, kind of new in town. Just making people the acquaintances, being all villainy and whatnot, you know. But I had a question for you. Uh, you know, skipping the two truth and a lie thing, I want to get down to the meteor, the, the nitty gritty as it were. What kind of a happy ending would you say you're looking for, my friend? I mean, I see you're missing a leg, but, uh, I mean, what, what really did that mean to you? Well, you see, here's the problem. I am burdened by the history of the real world. My story was based upon that of a real-life sailor who was forced to watch his entire crew eat each other and get split up after they were attacked by a whale. That man lived a lonely, terrible life, off in New England by himself, died a sad old miser. And I suppose that because I'm the captain of the ship that was based off of that real-life ship, everybody supposes that I will have to do the same. I've done some bad things in me life, but I think it'd be nice if I could be able to move past all that. I see, yeah. So, so looking forward to the future instead of back in the past when you lost your leggedy leg. Army leg, it's gone. <laughs> I need it back. <laughs> have you ever thought about a tail? I, I can't say that I ever have, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I got this tail, and in fact, and I'll just kind of, not like to draw attention to myself or anything, but I'll just like lift my feet up ever so slightly, just a couple inches off the ground, and start bouncing ever so slightly up and down, and say, look at this, I could have no legs and be bouncing around with this tail, and here, let me, let me see, and actually I'll, I'll reach behind me. And into my stuffing, you know, the little, like, rip at the back that Pooh has. Tigger has that, too. And I'll kind of pull out a bit of an extra spring that I've got back there. You know, kind of large and boingy. And I'll say, no, you know, just uh, for starters, but you could probably hook this up somehow so that you can just kind of sit right down on it and bounce around and uh, might make your life a little more fun. You might look forward to your days a bit more if you had some bouncing to do instead of just, you know, looking for your leg, which, I mean, if it's been lost this long, you probably don't want it back. You know what I'm saying? It, uh, <laughs> anyway, here you go. Here's a spring. Uh, now, I know you said not to draw attention to yourself, but, I mean, you did kind of draw attention to yourself. <laughs> uh, I'm going to need you to roll to overcome with Sneaky real quick. Not too bad. There's a plus three. Oh, plus yeah. three, yeah. Captain Ahab looks at the spring and takes it from your hand and looks down at this ragged, notched out piece of whalebone that has replaced the missing portion of his leg. And he reaches down and he just kind of pops it off from the stump of his leg <laughs> and puts the spring there in its place and starts kind of testing it out. And his eyes kind of light up. You might say he's got a bit of a spring in his step now. Hey, oh my god! There it is. He looks towards you, Tigger, and he says, "My, you know, I, I've always been so angry and full of the idea of vengeance that I never really thought of other ways that I might be able to improve my situation." <laughs> that's right. Just think about it. I mean, that's a little bit of a start. You could probably do all sorts of things. But anyway, I'm, uh, I'm gonna go back to my friends. Um, <clears throat> my biggest problem is I try too hard, so I'm not going to try too hard here. Just give me something to chew on, to think about, and uh, we'll meet up later, all right? Have some of the ors de verve. The barclava is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That means uh, we got Moby left. Who have you been approaching to speak to? Well, as one of my aspects being I'm on my way, and 
interpreting that of like trying to go right for the center of attention, uh, trying to go right for for the big guys. And I've already seen that Dracula's taken, so I go for the biggest, beefiest dude that I can see in the entire room. You might have guessed it. I don't know if you've guessed it. Um, but I go right for Grendel from the Beowulf <laughs> oh, yeah. epic poem. Oh, oh my yeah. goodness. <laughs> so I hope you've uh, spruced up on your Anglo-Saxon epic poem. Oh, man. I'm just, I'm just trying to... Do I dare try and do Crispin Glover's accent that he gave to Grendel in that really weird CG animated film oh, adaptation? Oh, yeah. That weird Such movie. a strange <laughs> thing that actually exists. Early days of 3D animation is a scary treasure trove. Uncanny Valley. Mm. I'll, I'll create my own interpretation of Grendel's voice. Uh, so yeah, you approach Grendel and he's there and he's got just a nice little crudite with some carrots and some celery and a little cup with some ranch at the bottom <laughs> and he's tromping on that. And the first thing I go is two truths and a lie. My name is the hollow man. <laughs> I'm deathly afraid of the water and my arch villain uh, has taken a bone out of me. You might call it a whale bone. <laughs> what about you? And Grendel turns towards you and says, I of two truths and one lie I give to ye. My name be Grendel, the greatest fear of the entire Saxony region. I been spawned from a great monster of terrible formlessness and horrible hatred what done of pillage the countryside. Also, I be the proud owner of a Lamborghini. <laughs> well, I hope the Lamborghini one is the truth, because you might have just made your mark on the world with that one. Tis unfortunate I have deceived thee, my friend. A Lamborghini I have not in my possession. Oh. But a terrible mother have I in spades. Oh, you're too good. You are too good at this game. Grendel, I'll live with you. I think we've all come here for the same exact reason, to understand how we all can get our own happy tale. What would be an ideal happy ending for you, Grendel? What are you looking for? Outside of your structure, outside of your arc, if you will, what are you really trying to find? Like, is it really a Lamborghini for you? I tell thee truthfully, prithee, lend thine ear closer to me. I bring down my massive head as I've been yelling down to him and he's been yelling up to me. I just bring it right next to his mouth. A monster's life, all full of turmoil is. Knights with swords be coming to attack ye just for the glory of it. Fair maidens be running away from ye just because they think you're gonna bite their heads off and chomp, chomp, chomp. It'd be very nice if I could just live out me life in a bit of peace and quiet, not have to worry about gallant knights upon noble steeds coming in, being all like, Oi, Grendel, Grendel, gonna kill ye and put your head on me wall so I can show it off to me bros and just... <laughs> show, so, I can show it, so I can show it off to me bros and just try and prove that I've got the the best sword in the entire region. <laughs> and they try to mount your head on their Lamborghini to, to show it off to all of the town, huh? Aye, those Viking Lamborghinis, they be the scourge <laughs> of the fjords. <laughs> the fjords. <laughs> Moby Dick really takes, like, he's just silent when he says this. And he was putting on his charm. He was He was trying to be the charming person that he is because... He's felt he's had to do that his whole life because if he doesn't, people would see that 
he is exactly what Grendel is describing, a monster. Mm. And so with Grendel saying that, it really touches him, and he really, like, almost, like, drops down the mask just in a, a moment of, like, reflection. And he really is just moved by what Grendel said. And Grendel looks up towards you and says, Perhaps I ask ye the same question, the hollow man. What be your happy ending? <sighs> I, uh... I suppose I haven't really thought about it that much, Grendel. I've just been going from occasion to occasion and uh, cocktail party to uh, dance hall and been trying to make a name for myself. I, ye chase the lights and as soon as ye grasp the light ye realize it's no substance to it. I don't think I've had truth resonate so much in my blubbery heart as what you just said there, Grendel. It is just a fabrication. It's doesn't mean anything in the long run, because at the end of the day, you're just left with yourself. And my big, massive eyes are welling up with huge ocean tears. <laughs> I'm gonna level with you. You're getting a bit too existential for me at the moment, oh. so I'm gonna go talk to somebody else. Sorry. But you have a good time. <laughs> okay. Well, yes, you do. I'll come find you later, because uh, we'll take a break from this, and then we'll come right back to this topic. Uh, Aye, yes, we'll, we'll recenter ourselves a little bit, and then we'll return together for the, the grand raiding of all of the people that done wronged us. Oh, yeah, and I wipe the massive tears with my massive flippers and fling them against the wall. I imagine that uh, Mr. Collins just gets <laughs> just flung in one of the watery tears again. <laughs> against the stone wall and, and just <laughs> yes of course oh too real there too real <laughs> keep it light keep it simple yeah he slams into a stalagmite that had some bats perching on it and the bats get soaked and they're all just like oh come on <laughs> but yeah now that you've all kind of had your chance to read the room a little bit you all kind of gather back together and you see Freakazoid has been over talking with Jack Willoughby and he comes back to you guys and he's like, I'm sorry, that, that guy's irredeemable. I don't <laughs> think there's anything I can do with that man. Fair. How'd it go for you other guys? Pretty good. I mean, I really think I got through to Captain Ahab. He's springing around a little bit more if you look at him over there. Nice. So we got him on board. All right. Moby Dick, what about you? Uh... Moby Dick is just kind of like standing there and uh, is taking a little bit of the persona of uh, Ari and is just like, everybody, like, what are we doing? You know, just from day to day. Like, I mean, Grendel really brought up some good points. He really leveled with me and he even told me he was leveling with me, you know, and uh, oh, man. He just really sh shared what was in his soul. And I could tell he was honest. I know he's a villain, but... Gosh, dang it, if he just didn't want that Lamborghini and wanted to just... <sighs> I think we have to help these people. Maybe, maybe not the Willoughby character, but... Uh, yeah. But some of these people just seem to have gotten the short end of the stick their whole life. I think so, too. Well, well I was talking with Dracula, and he just wants to die, so... Oh, all right. Honestly, I think we could take care of that, and then maybe the rest of the folks would come along with us. You've got the stage presence. We've got the stage. Tigger, you've got that optimistic spunk that can put a spring in anyone's step, even stinky old Ahab. <laughs> That's right. This is going to be a walk in the park. And Freakazoid's a freak. Yeah. Not to mention this dingle hopper. Ting. Made of silver. We got, we, <laughs> we're going to murder Dracula because it's the happy ending he deserves. And then we're going to find a place for these other guys. Yeah. 
And as you've been kind of coming to these conclusions, the little gargoyle looks up at all of you and he's like, I'm starting to get the feeling that you guys don't think that you're like villains or monsters. Well, I mean, uh... Like, when when I first saw you guys, I was like, oh, giant whale. I mean, that's probably killed some people. Oh, mermaid. Like, their whole shtick is that they lure people to their death. Mm. And a tiger, I mean, like, an incredible predator that kills people, has big, sharp teeth. Like, I saw you guys and I was like, oh, these guys are obviously villains. They belong here. Yeah. Well, it's funny you say that because I'm actually, I think I'm the only one who's actually consistently killed people because I'm a kleptomaniac. But it's usually, usually unintentional. So it just goes to show you that beauty is in the eye of the beholder and you can't judge a book by its characters. Anyway, <laughs> we're gonna go kill Dracula. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Mr. Gargoyle Man, are you saying that we all have the potential inside of us to be heroes or to be villains? And it's just about the choices that we make and what we do with that that's the real deciding factors? Now you see, here's here's part of the core of the issues of conflict. When other people do things that you don't like, it's not a reflection of what they're doing per se, it's a reflection of what you're hoping that they're doing. You know, if you're at home and your partner gets home late and you just wish that they would be there for you, you get angry at them and you say, you're always gone, why are you never here? And that's not a reflection on what they're doing, that's a reflection on your need to have somebody there for you. Everybody could be a villain to somebody else, and everybody could be a hero to somebody else. Gargoyle guy, that is incredibly profound. This is really therapeutic. I read it in a book called Nonviolent Communication by Marshall P. Rosenberg. I really recommend it. Oh, cool. I can't read, but this is just layers upon layers here. It's just, I mean, part of me thinks we should start a book club or something, but that sounds really meta. (laughs) Guys, (laughs) we should have called this campaign the book club. Well, it's because we're all illiterate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's true. That's true. Canonically. Well, uh, here, here's the thing. I agree. We need to help all these people, but I also don't wish to die by yeah. the hand of my, of the person that has deemed me to be their enemy. And I know the moment I reveal myself or we take any sort of like action of that matter, Things are probably going to go down, and disguises are going to fall, and my magnificent disguise is probably going to be seen through. I think I took care of him, to be honest. I mean, look at him. He's, like, showing off his new leg to the candle, you know, guy over there. And you see Captain Ahab's, like, leaping up in the air and doing pirouettes like he's on a pogo stick or something. My goodness, he's majestic. You guys, (laughs) you guys should be dance partners. Yeah! Imagine the act. Imagine the pathos. Imagine... The duality. Enemies become bestest buddies. Oh, it's going to be life-changing. The last 10 minutes for Moby Dick have just been, it's been a 480. (laughs) 180, 360, 480. And he's having a hard time keeping it together. And he's just like, uh, he is not being careful to try and like disguise himself anymore. He's just like flippers to his head. Like, my God. Goodness, the possibilities, the future, the conflict, the... And he's just seeing like a a layer of another dimension of just life that wasn't there before to him. He was very two-dimensional, and now he he feels like he's seeing four dimensions in front of him. Mm. Big day for a big whale. 
Yeah, so as you guys are all kind of coming to this conclusion, you hear once more from up on the podium that little ding, 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 ding. And Dracula looks down at everybody and says, Well, I'm glad we have had a chance to get to know each other a little better. I personally had a marvelous conversation with a gentleman whose name I am not going to speak. And he points down, and he's not pointing at Candlejack, he's pointing at Voldemort. (laughs) Um, And he says... But now it is time to begin our attack upon the so-called heroes of these books that we have been spawned from. I mean, I guess we were written to be killers and monsters and torturers. So I suppose that is, that's the only thing that I know to do. So who's ready to go and kill some people? Uh, yeah, we are. But wait, but first, can we have a little powwow with our, our leader? Hey guys, it's us, the new guys. Uh, we gotta talk with Dracula. Guys, it's now or never. I think we gotta kill Dracula and make a scene. Dracula? Uh, uh, uh yes, the fish ghost. How are you doing? I'm good. Um, as he, as uh, Ari starts walking up, I flop down and use my entire 52 foot long body to go, oh, oh whoops, and just, and make a huge ruckus and hopefully draw as much attention as away from Dracula as possible with my 52 foot long body. Yeah, go ahead and roll to create an advantage with flashy. Plus three, baby. Oh. All right. So against a difficulty of zero, that is success with style. Hey. So you fall down and you create a barrier of blubber. And that's what I'm going to call this aspect that you create, Barrier of Blubber. Yeah. And you get two free invokes on that aspect. However, in order to fall and really sell it, I had to drop my masquerade mask. Mm. We got to act, act. You go talk to Dracula. You've got a good relationship with him. I'll be ready to spring into action and talk to the other guys. Nice. All right. I'm going to ease on up to Mr. Dracula and invoke my stunt. Good thing I brought my Dinglehopper and try to kill him in the heart. Yes, he looks out towards you and says, Fish ghost, you have been a delight to have here. I feel like I can really trust you with my heart. Yeah. <laughs> so go, go ahead and roll to attack with Sneaky. I'm going to say, uh, yeah, about that. Hmm. With invoking the stunt, does that do anything? Is that an automatic success or anything like that? Hmm. Well, I mean, we, we've established some things about this Dinglehopper. It is made of silver. You've invoked the stunt along with your attack. So here's what I'm... Hmm. I feel like there has to be at least some sort of roll with this. Right. <laughs> so I'm going to say roll to attack with careful, mm. just so that you can make sure Dracula knows that you're only killing him because you love him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think he's a really cool guy. Um, that is going to be... Uh, Careful's my plus three approach, so that's going to be a plus four. Nice. So you reach forward, and, you know, Dracula trusted you with his heart, and into the heart goes the Dinglehopper, and he looks down at it in shock as he begins to dissolve into dust. I'm giving him a big thumbs up while he does that. (laughs) Yeah, he looks up at your face, and with your successful role, he recognizes in the last moment, his look turns from one of anguish and shock and anger to one of understanding and empathy and relief. Ah. And he says, Fish ghost, you have done to me the greatest service that any have before. I've always been so scared of this moment, but at the hands of one who is so caring, I trust that my afterlife on that cloud up there shall be worth it. Go enjoy the clouds, buddy. 
go enjoy the clouds. That's assuming he's going to the clouds. But oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> as long as he believes that. <laughs> yeah, he he poofs into a swarm of ashy bats, and they go flying off in every which direction. Um, at this time, I'd like to scoop up a little bug and whisper to him and say, Hey, little fangity buggity guy, go get your friends and start chewing through the ceiling. I'm going to use that boost that we got to see if they could help uh, shed some light down here to maybe help with us, you know, once they do that in a few minutes. I'll send him off and then I'll jump up to the stage. Yeah, so you got that boost, nature's red in tooth and in claw. We'll see that that effect will come in later at some point when you need it. Sure. But you have taken it and make sure that the villains cannot use it. Hey. But yeah, so while this has all been going on, the death of Dracula and the convincing of the insects and whatnot, Moby Dick, your mask falls off and everybody looks and sees that you're a whale and there's a gasp of shock. <laughs> and you see that Jack Willoughby, he puts his hand up to his forehead and pulls out a handkerchief and has a case of the vapors and passes out on the floor. <laughs> um, yeah, he does. <laughs> and Dr. Frankenstein nudges Captain Ahab in the ribs and says, there he is, Captain. Now's our chance. We can get him while he's down. And Captain Ahab looks towards Moby Dick lying there on the ground. I look back. And he puts a hand out in front of Dr. Frankenstein. And he says, Oh no, Victor. I think I've been looking at things all wrong. All I've seen was a massive bulk of blubber and scar tissue. When what I could have been seeing was a dancer. I stare back at uh, Captain Ahab and I go... I, too, have been seeing our relationship in a terrible negative light when I could have been seeing not just magnificent strategician and captain and someone who puts others before himself, but a partner, a partner in everything that I do and with those majestic leaps. I think you and I could really go places, A.B. <laughs> <laughs> and... He goes up to the Phantom of the Opera and he says, You know what people are going crazy for? Musical adaptations. I think it's time we had a Moby Dick musical. And the Phantom just instantly pulls out some sheet paper and starts scribbling on it. And at this point, all of the other villains are like, what the, What's going on here? What on earth is happening? This is weird. This is not how this was supposed to go. <laughs> and this is when I spring up to the stage. Yeah, so Tigger, you put yourself up on that big platform there. Uh, what is Tigger's plan here? I'm just going to start talking to him. Listen, all you villainy guys here in this room, we went around. We talked to you. And I take off my mask and I say... We had a good talk with many of you, and many of you might call us up here the heroes. And everybody gasp as they <laughs> see that you are, in fact, the quote-unquote heroes of these books. But all of a sudden, so many of the people here are like, but wait, what is a hero and what is a villain? But wait, before you do your dastardly deeds, I want to tell you that we had a really good talk. And we discovered that each one of us, inside of us, has the potential to be a villain or a hero. Look at me. I'm a tiger for Pete's sake. A tigger. We're known for being vicious killers sometimes. But that's <laughs> not what I choose to do. 
Ari over there is drowning people and taking their stuff, but she's under reform. I do do that, yeah. Moby Dick down there might have killed a few sailors in his attempts to escape Ahab, but he's changing. He doesn't want that anymore. He wants to be a dancer. And Ahab's joining him. The Phantom of the Opera's writing the music. People, we're all figuring out we can be the heroes if you follow your dreams. Man, that was very eloquent just on the part of Caleb Anderton, the actor. <laughs> yes, it was. Connor and Ari are both clapping. Yeah, and uh, Moby Dick tried to find ways to contribute well, rather, Thomas did, and he just couldn't because it was already perfect. <laughs> so here's what I'm going to say. Tigger's going to need to roll to overcome with Flashy, but because you, Caleb, gave such a good speech, I'm going to give you a free invoke. Yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. Get it. Get it, Tigger. Get Woo-hoo! it. All right. I, I don't think I dare re-roll that, but I will invoke another aspect that I have. Um, that I used before, which is the glass is always 100% glass. Yes, I was hoping you would. (laughs) And once again, just looking at a situation for what it is and the obvious stuff that's right in front of you that sometimes we overlook. Whether the glass is half full or half empty, it's still made of glass. And that's kind of what I'm trying to get these villains to realize. And I'm going to add another plus two to that, bringing my roll to a plus eight. Legendary! Legendary indeed. So you, just from the sincerity of your stuffing-filled heart, call out and touch the hearts of all of these people who have been maligned, who have done some bad things... And the little gargoyle, as everybody is starting to kind of tear up and is feeling very emotional, he looks around at everybody and says, there are some people who say that you should live your life with no regrets. But I think having regrets is how you know that you're a better person now than you were when you did the thing that you regret. We've all done horrible things in our lives, sometimes without even knowing it or without meaning it, but we know that we can do better. And the gargoyle looks around and sees everybody staring at him and gets very uncomfortable and flies off. For a second, I thought he was going to, like, transform into, like, a librarian or something like that. Um, Could we let those bugs uh, have chewed through the ceiling by now and make a big old gaping hole above us with light pouring through? Yeah. There's a cascade of sand and rocks and dirt, but they've chewed it in such a way that it all goes off to the sides of the ballroom here, and light comes shining down in brilliant shafts from above, and there are birds up there, and they're singing, and it's wonderful and beautiful, and all of the villains look around at each other, and they all just kind of shrug, and they're like, I thought my life was going to go one way, but maybe it can go another way. Yeah. Like I always say, don't judge a book if you can't read. (laughs) (laughs) Wise words, Aaron. (laughs) Wise words. On that note, I think we're going to cut into some epilogues here. Hey! Let's start with Ari. You were the one who at the beginning of the story was kind of going through the most conflict and the most angst and whatnot. What do you think happens to Ari after this life-changing situation? Well, I think Ari realizes that she needs to get some very real help. 
and she begins by humbling herself uh, and just kind of talking to her papa a little bit and apologizing for all of those dead men that now litter her sea and uh, her conscience. But I, I think she eventually starts to find an outlet in abstract art. So she goes to her little hole where she's hidden all of her stolen things from dead guys and starts to put them together using sea glue. And uh, she just really starts to feel fulfilled and, and like, she's not a bad gal, she's not a good gal, she's just a gal. And she's discovering herself. Mm. Then moving on to Moby Dick, you were in a position where you were trying to discover yourself at the beginning of this story. Yes. What do you think Moby Dick has discovered about himself after this? <sighs> well, I think Moby Dick has discovered that he can just be himself. He doesn't always have to put on a show. Doesn't always have to be the center of attention to draw away from the fact that he is a giant 52-foot sperm <laughs> whale trying to live in just today's society. <laughs> but with that, he does still like to put on a show from time to time, but only when the moment feels right. And so I, I'd like to think that him and A.B. Uh, teamed up and they turned Abe's ship to a, like, cruise ship uh, for, like, <laughs> dinner yes! cruises and, like, maybe even some, like, private events around, like, a harbor. Um, and with Abe jumping, uh, bouncing around with his majestic twirls and uh, me out in the ocean there, put on, like, this Cirque du Soleil slash, like, um, <laughs> Rogers and Hammerstein-like act. <laughs> oh, man. What an epic combo. And uh, just really, like, make it our own. And uh, maybe, like, Dr. Frankenstein is there, too, like, helping us out with uh, as, like, a, a tech person and, and just, like, enhancing the ship to uh, maybe it just, like, slowly is like Frankenstein does, just, like, random other ship parts get added onto it to where it's like the the core ship is just like a little piece of this huge long vessel that is just been tied together and you know just really enjoying life and uh going a little bit deeper than five feet in the ocean mm. you know what i mean that's right and when you feel like you need to blow off some steam can go check out Ari's art installations on one of those adjoining ships. Absolutely. Look at this stuff. Isn't it neat? <laughs> <laughs> That's like a getaway experience we offer from the cruise. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. Ari gets a little kickback from it. Yeah. And then finally, Tigger, you're kind of unique in that Tigger wasn't really looking for anything at the beginning of this adventure. But what did Tigger find along the way? Tigger definitely found some friends outside at 100 acres and found a way to bring a lot of people to realize, including himself, that we all can be the heroes if we want to be. And he took that Grendel guy, that big old Grendel guy who just wanted to be alone, and he brought him far, far away to a place far away in 100 acres where nobody can find him, and he can finally have some peace and quiet. And a Lambo. <laughs> and a sweet, sweet Lambo. <laughs> so you end up back in your appropriate locations, locations that are now a little bit different than they were before. Some stories tend to be rewritten, or sometimes maybe a prequel adaptation that changes how you view the story. But in the end, you guys are all off in your own separate ways, 
being watched over from a cloud far, far up in the sky, a dark thundercloud <laughs> with lightning crackling <laughs> down from it as Dracula sips on a nice little mimosa and gives a smile and he lowers his sunglasses and turns <laughs> towards the camera and winks and iris wipe. And that is going to end today's episode. Oh, man. Awesome. Man, so just to maybe part the curtain a little bit for our listening audience, I've been talking with uh, these guys about how surreal it is that, you know, you guys being the listeners, you experience cliffhangers in the show, but how uniquely weird it is since we're improvising this entire thing that we as the creators of the story also experience cliffhangers. Mm, yeah. It's been like two weeks since we recorded the last episode of this and none of us have had any idea how this is going to turn out and it turned out in a very different way than i think any of us were expecting 100 percent. yep yep i was like all right we're gonna all just gotta get rid of all these fools and i, I thought it was just gonna be big big old fight club yeah. but uh we, we got some we got some friends yeah we made some friends mm-hmm. yeah i feel like thomas learned something from this, yeah, this session so does connor that was that was full-on therapeutic well i'm glad that we could all experience this together and i'm glad that all of you could join us here in the world of the illiterates and just thanks so much for listening to Improv Tabletop. And we'll be back next month with more adventures in a brand new setting. If you want more, go ahead and subscribe. Maybe even give us a review. We would be just as happy as I legitimately feel right now and mm. as tender and as touched. If you would go ahead and give us a positive review on the podcatcher of your choice. We're also all over social media at Improv Tabletop. If you'd like to suggest either a setting for us to play in or an aspect for one of our characters to use, you can tweet about us. You can comment on one of our Instagram or Facebook or TikTok posts using hashtag ImpTab setting or hashtag ImpTab aspect. Let's do a round of plugs. Uh, I mentioned earlier a book called Nonviolent Communication by Marshall Rosenberg, and it is a very good book. I really enjoy it. The cover makes it look like it's super like weird and hippy-dippy, but it's genuinely very good. Um, a great way to look at how you treat other people. But aside from that, I would like to plug telling your friends that you love them. Um, you know, there's so much more to love than just the romantic love that gets so much press in the movies and the books and all that stuff. Uh, but there's so many people who bring a lot of joy and a lot of meaning to our lives who often don't get recognized very much. So, you know, Connor, Caleb, Thomas, I love you guys. I'm glad that you're uh, working on this project with me. Aww. I love you guys. Love you too, Ned. Yeah, love you all. You guys too. Yeah. <laughs> all of our fans out there, all of our other cast members. I, I could name so many other people who I want to say I love you too. Uh, but in the interest of not turning this into like a... Um, a John Cleese award acceptance speech. I think we'll <laughs> we'll just limit it to uh, <laughs> limit it to that for now. But yeah, tell your friends you love them because they're doing good things for you. They are. Connor, you got anything that you would like to plug? Yeah, I would like to plug. Um, I've been learning a little bit about this uh, new type of insect this week. Okay, I was gonna start with a joke, but I actually do want to talk about something that I see a lot in my job, and that's spiders. Um, Georgia. A few years back, somewhere in uh, some port in Florida, there came a spider called the Joro spider, which is a golden orb weaver. They're very big, they're very resilient, 
They have some of the strongest uh, webbing in the world and they are all over Georgia and every single summer we're seeing essentially the population just like shoot up, borderline doubling each year. All of that to say, if you see one, that's a spider and that's it. I, that spiders are us coming to a spider near you. <laughs> don't forget to hit the spider bake sale made by spiders for spiders of spiders. <laughs> <laughs> I I will look forward to that bake sale. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> Caleb, you got anything you'd like to plug? Just like to plug the book The Four Loves uh, by C.S. Lewis. Mm. If you've never heard of that, give it a read. There is more than one type of love as we discussed here. And C.S. Lewis kind of takes a deep dive into what those four types are. And I feel like it's just good to know. But um, wanted to bring back some performance artwork into the podcast, actually. Mm, it's been a while. Uh, with me, you know, traveling across the country right now currently in Bismarck, North Dakota. So right after this session, I'm gonna go out on my bike, juggling four plums and a watermelon, and I'm going to throw them to our fans that are out here. So if you guys are anywhere near Bismarck, North Dakota, you could be the lucky five that catch a plum or a watermelon and win that from from being a follower of the show. So come get some plums. There you go. You'd better get here fast because I'm here and I'm doing this. <laughs> yeah, the real dedication is that it's Caleb's going to be doing this for a whole eight days yeah. before anybody hears that announcement. <laughs> Only our top tier Patreons hear the live recording. <laughs> the true fans are already waiting outside. Oh man, you hear that, Thomas? The fruit is here to stay. <laughs> Speaking of, you got anything you want to plug? Thomas? Uh, yeah, so I'm in another podcast. I cast Fireball, a Dungeons and Dragons 5e adventure, and me and Ned are both, uh, a player and a DM in there, and it's a ton of fun where we also just explore what it means to be a hero and what it means to be a bad guy as well. So if you're not looking to be introspective, my wife also has a jewelry making website, and you should check her out, Be Wired Jewelry on uh, Etsy or Instagram. And I just want to plug Brandon Sanderson, just because <laughs> he's amazing, and he is a big ray of sunlight in this dark and dreary world mm. and uh go go unplug and read a good book of his yeah i want to throw my my hat in there as well brandon sanderson incredible author uh me too yep big fan and i feel like we inevitably we have to do a mistborn campaign at some point for improv tabletop oh yes i think we are legally required to do so <laughs> oh man you just have to check the ip licenses <laughs> well we'll get that all figured out but before we get to that, though, just thanks so much, everybody, for joining us here in the world of the illiterates. I'm Ned Wilcock, your host and GM, and I've been joined by... Connor Wood, Itsy Bitsy Spider. Caleb Anderton, your traveling watermelon. Thomas Brower, full of blubber. And in a very tender and heartfelt way, much love and stuff, everybody. We'll catch you next week on Improv Tabletop. <laughs>